fifth episode of the Negative World Euphonic Podcast, coming to you late in 2013. Uh, thanks for joining us, and today it's, as usual, your dastardly duo, Dr. Finkelstein and... Hey, this is Joe, or as some people call me, Vince Age. Yes, yes. Going with the whole two names thing is kind of uh, kind of weird for our site, in a sense. We should just legally change our names to our screen names. That could work. Now... As, as the like, like Madonna, like just the the one name, or do we have to go with like last names, or should I be Stephen Doctor Finkelstein or Doctor Finkelstein Stephen, or do we combine them separate? What? I think you would be Doctor Stephen Finkelstein. Mm. Is the way it would work. So would you be Nin Joe Sage? Um, Ninjo sounds like a Banjo Kazooie character. Ooh, Ninjo. Ninjo, kind of like that. <laughs> Don't mind that at all. You could you could do it. Change something, your name. Something to think about. Um, <laughs> anyway, this isn't a rant for two hours podcast. This is a music <laughs> podcast, and we have a pretty cool duo of themes today. Uh, we have licensed music. Uh, the first half would be eight bit. The second half would be sixteen. Uh, you were going to say something, Joe? I'm going to say right now that uh, this selection of music has turned out way better than I thought it would based on the premise. So I just I only mentioned that in case someone hears like licensed music, that's going to be as bad as the games. I wasn't really quite sure. It's weird because licensed games in general, especially back in these two eras, have a kind of, I think, a generally warm feeling. Certainly but, warmer than now. Certainly warmer than when sure. you make a licensed game today. But even so, there were so many duds back then too. So it, it's one of those things where you look back fondly on a time and you realize it never really was that great <laughs> and so when you really analyze uh these generations for these specific games you do find a lot of good stuff but there's also some crappy ones in there and in fact some of the music that we have today is great music from crappy games so oh yeah it's funny yeah. how that kind of works out yep um but there uh there was a lot of submissions and a lot of them involved animals so there's a lot of <laughs> animals uh, in terms of licensed games too i thought that was kind of an interesting discovery a lot, a lot of disney a lot of disney oh yeah a lot of disney um superheroes uh, oh yeah yep uh, cartoons of course things like that and mm -hmm. um but even even you know we had some submissions that involved sports which it didn't even occur to me for instance that like mike tyson's punch out which was a submission that's uh, not chosen for the for the set, but it was a submission for the theme, and mm -hmm. that itself is kind of a licensed game, isn't it? You know, from yeah. Mike Tyson. Yeah. And uh, and actually, my pick later in the eight bit section is I was kind of torn on it because uh, it's it's I think it's it'd be considered licensed. It comes from a source material that is before video games, but at the same time, right on the title screen, it says licensed by Nintendo, which I guess so does Ducktales. So I guess that doesn't really say anything. Mm -hmm. Um. So, I mean, a lot of games, you know, did that, but, uh, I don't know. But all in all, it is great music, and I'm really excited to kind of dive into it. I think this is, this is my favorite collection so far. Yeah. I think I'm most excited about this episode. And there's even a song, as we've said before, we're not just here to praise every song that we, that we pick. So there's actually one on the list that I'm not that crazy about. Interesting. But the rest of the list is so strong that I think this is my favorite episode so far. Yeah. And we haven't even recorded it yet. 
Uh, I've been watching a lot of Doctor Who lately, so I'm pretty sure that's totally possible for you to know that ahead of time. Yep. Through some sort of time-space continuum, which mm-hmm. is also a Back to the Future reference. But anyway, uh, let's jump right in, shall we? Let's do. Okay, so again, we have five songs from each theme. The whole thing is licensed games, but we, uh, we're going to start off with the 8-bit, which includes NES, Game Boy, um, and anything else that was submitted. Uh, but of course, having to to be played on a, on a Nintendo system kind of limits you to a handful of, uh, of consoles there. But the first one is a song that is essentially a no-brainer. I think people will react uh, mm. in that way. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it was submitted by Pokey Freak 911, and he he didn't even actually submit it. Technically, he just said, "I don't think this needs to be mentioned, does it?" <laughs> and uh, and then later, Zero actually came in and had a little pun and said, "With that said, uh, how on earth did no one post this yet?" Which uh, was actually pretty funny, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And with that said, let's jump right into that song, and we'll talk about it. clear that the moon theme from DuckTales for the NES uh, mm-hmm. is, it's appropriate that it's the first song, uh, which we, we tend to show these in chronological order in which they were submitted in the thread, but the fact that this was the first one mentioned is also kind of um, well, I yeah, I, it was the first actual song mentioned, so uh, and for good reason it's, it's a definitive yep. one, if there's a handful out there, this is the one that everyone thinks of it really is as as obscure as the idea of eight bit licensed music might be. 
as a topic of conversation. This really is, I think, what would come, one of the songs that would absolutely come to mind when you're having that conversation. Mm-hmm. And, well, the whole soundtrack in general would be. I know yeah. the, the moon gets a lot of credit, but, I mean, the jungle theme is one of my other favorite songs from that era. And uh, the whole the whole soundtrack, uh, Transyl- or, was it the Transylvania level, or did they have, like, a clever name for it? I forget. Uh, I feel like it was just Transylvania, yeah. is what I would say. But, uh, I mean, I can even imagine these songs in my head. That's how iconic they are. So it's not just the moon. But the moon, something about it is special amongst the rest. I think, unlike a lot of just video game music, uh, I think it goes for something more that, you know, we've always, we've talked about uh, songs, and I'm sure we will again today, about songs that, you know, they, they try to make you feel empowered or excited, um, you know, to go on that adventure. But uh, what I think is a little different about this one is it's got this like pretty aspect to it. It's got like a like a um, how can I describe it? Uh, just it's it's a more it's got this more like it evokes this like admiration, this mm-hmm. like you know. Well, it's got a driving beat that just mm-hmm. drives you and and your character forward and everything. But it's also got like a weird twinkling sensation. Mm, with mm-hmm. the the tones that they choose for the uh, a lot of the music, right. which I guess you know you can relate to stars and being on the moon and everything. Like you were saying, the song feels epic, and and I think it does so because you're reaching the moon after being on Earth and doing all these different levels. And of course, you can do things out of order. Uh, you don't have to choose the moon last or anything. But right. I feel like it has the most grandiose scope. Perhaps that's because that is the most grandiose. Yeah. Uh, you know, outer space. Yeah. That's the final frontier, right? Absolutely. And until we find outer outer space. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it just matches the level really well. It was kind mm-hmm. of something that I have no oh I have no idea how it was received back in the day, but I kind of like to think that this song has just been iconic since the start. I would imagine. Uh, I mean, gee, you know, Capcom NES that combination. I think was always successful right absolutely awesome song i i actually i mean it i i expected it it, this would come up so uh i'm glad that it did and i'm glad we got to use it yeah i mean we could just continue to gush about it but i say let's move forward sure and uh, this second pick here was chosen by roy cooper 64 and this is an example of one of those songs from a crappy game at least that's what most people feel and yet it's incredible music. So here's a listen.
So who knew that Anamanaguchi was around back in the <laughs> NES days, huh? Mm. Doesn't that kind of sound like them? Yeah. Like that's that's like that. what I took most from the uh, Silver Surfer music that mm. I just heard. Yes. Uh, it was, this one was level one. It was the kind of background theme in level one. And Roy Koopa also submitted the titles screen theme. And, uh, Joe and I, you, we debated for a little bit. Extremely close call. Yeah. Extremely close. I was leaning towards title screen and then you brought, you know, some logic into my head for this one. And in the end, uh, you know, I kind of sided with you, but they're both really good and both really good. It, you know, here's, here's the power of this soundtrack. And, and of really listening to it now. I want to go play Silver Surfer. That's how powerful this music is. Well, that's probably how it sold any copies. <laughs> and I, uh, we, we talked briefly before the recording how I have played this before. I rented this game as, as a kid, as an innocent, innocent youth who did not know what he was signing up for. And yeah, I don't, I don't think I beat any of the levels. As most people know, you can play any of the levels in any order. I don't remember beating any of them. Uh, it was that hard. Now, is it hard again? Because hard back then is different yeah. than hard now. Is it hard yes. because it was badly designed, or hard because it was intentionally made to be devilish, or was it hard because you were a kid? I would say it more leans on that badly designed one. Ah, uh, so that's that's something that plagued a lot of games back then. Yep, 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 yep. I mean, if anyone who's watched the Angry Video Game Nerd video on this uh, game, just a lot of, I feel like there was a lot of poor hit detection stuff and just just uh, sort of obstacles that the game would throw at you that it's sometimes you just have to throw arms up and be like okay what was i supposed to do there you know there's just it seems like there's no right answer and yeah but i you know this this music man i feel like i want to just like uh hook some headphones up to the tv or something and give this game another go and just not even treat it as like i'm trying to beat a video game more treat it as i'm trying to experience some good music for a little while because yeah. there are things there are things in this in this song that i just cannot i've never heard before in nes music i'm really amazed at some of the stuff that uh that is going on here um i actually have a small quote that i would like to read mm-hmm. uh this is from there's some websites called captaintortilla.com. I've never heard of it. But they did a thing uh, where they had sort of like their fans vote on the best uh, NES songs. And this song came in number three out of, I think, 100. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty darn good. But um, so there's a little, a little quote where I, I guess the guy who wrote this is uh, Tim Fallen. F-O-L-L-I-N. I guess he was a music composer for video games back in the day. He worked with his brother. His other brother was a game designer, whatever. So, okay, so let me read this uh, short paragraph. So it says, the greatest fall innovation, that's a cute term, uh, of all is the use of the triangle wave to handle two things at once, drum kit and bass. Primarily because of the drum sound, I still can't fully wrap my head around the fact that this song contains no sampled content whatsoever, nor any expansion chips. Furthermore, there's a sense of loudness to this song that should be impossible on paper. 
the 2A-O3's triangle wave had a fixed volume, which means that pushing the squares too hard would drown it out. But everything in the track is blowing up in your face, bursting with an upfrontness that is beyond my comprehension. Deliberate application of certain frequencies likely has something to do with this perceived loudness, as well as the specifics of the interplay between square wave velocities and the fixed triangle. Some good I stuff. Just, I just think that's, it's like, there are things he's doing, it sounds like mathematically, within this song, that probably should not have been possible, or at the very least would be extremely difficult to pull off. Yeah. Well, and that's why I mentioned Anamanaguchi. Uh, I'm not... I'm not going to go into depth about how they create their music per se. I don't really know the process behind their their methods, but it sounds so well produced that it feels like it came from this era mm. and that it's intentionally trying to be 8-bit. And yet here it was actually being, you know, such a definitive sound mm-hmm. that it blew other tracks out of the water. I mean, you could argue that this music mm-hmm. is more powerful and well-structured than even maybe the moon. Uh, or other things. I mean, I enjoy the moon more, but that there's a whole lot of factors that go into that in terms yeah. of nostalgia, and, and uh, I care much more for uh, Scrooge McDuck than I do the Silver Surfer, that kind of thing. Well, but, I, oh, go on, finish. I mean, I was just kind of trail off into uh, just saying that those are the differences for me, but this is clearly like almost like an anomaly of the <laughs> NES era. Yeah. I yeah. really would argue that. Yeah. You know, hearing it now, hearing multiple tracks going through the same bombastic badassery, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. a copyrighted term. But <laughs> uh, I don't know; it's it's impressive, uh, and and it's so funny for a game with such low street cred to have such oh, incredible I music. I know. Only recently, you know, largely, I think I've seen it um, in two spots now on Negative World in this thread, and I think somewhere else it was mentioned. Um, the the idea that there's really two ways to treat the Silver Surfer on NES. One is as the l- lukewarm at best gameplay and then the other is as this like musical um, anomaly as you said, but in a good way. Um, and I mean, I- I'm, I'm kind of surprised it doesn't get more credit for that. I guess it really shows just how much uh, undesirable gameplay matters because really when you sent me the link to try out to listen to both songs so this means i'm clicking on them not from the thread uh i was at first skeptical that this was the actual nes track right that's how that's how amazing these are that's how different these are yeah i thought you know because the internet is full of bands covering nes music uh so i thought you know, maybe someone had slipped one in, gotten confused or something, but, and it's not to say that this, you know, that if I closed my eyes, I would confuse this with a live band or anything, but I'm just surprised that this was accomplished with technology from back then. And as that quote I read said, without using any extra chips on the, on the board or anything, um, crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, but as you said, as far as, you know, whether or not you would, prefer this song over some of the others uh an admission is that this kind of music is not really the kind of like catchy like hey nice melody you know that kind of gets stuck in your head and you hum for the rest of the day this is not that kind of song sure this is the kind of like 80s uh guitar electric guitar van halen tapping kind of 
you know, it's supposed to be, I think, almost equally as impressive as it is nice to listen to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that really, it succeeds extremely well at that. For me, this is one of those kinds of soundtracks that I could either, in a weird way, I could either like run to, like I could work out to. Oh, yeah. Or I could also like just sit at work and like rock mm-hmm. out it with headphones and just get work mm-hmm. done. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's not something I'm going to be humming in my, my head no. throughout the day. No. No, there there will not be a smooth McGroove version of the Silver Surfer. I hope he hears this and that he <laughs> finds that challenge. Accepts it as a challenge. Yes. That would be so amazing. Actually, speaking of that, you know how you can make custom Guitar Hero tracks yeah. that people can submit? I saw someone doing this song in Guitar Hero, which wow. might be worth just tacking on to the... Um, the thread when we post this just because it's pretty amazing 44 notes in one second that's what the what yeah that's what the video how is that possible <sighs> watch the video is it being played by an actual human or yeah 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 hmm. yeah fascinating well yeah. i was gonna say that there's only two ways to enjoy this game now um which is either with game genie codes Mm. Uh, there is an infinite lives for both players code. I'm looking that up right now. That might um, be the way to <laughs> properly enjoy this game. There is no um, invincibility, which I feel with the hit detection issue, that might be the way to do it. I know that sounds bad. I mean, who really? how fun, How much fun is that? But to get through the game and just experience it, yeah. I think that that kind of stuff for old games is kind of tolerable. And I think it's yeah. okay in my book. If it's going to be the difference between playing it and not ever playing it, Right, I think that's fine. And you know, this is probably going to lower my street cred, but uh, Zelda Two—that's the only way I've been able to enjoy that game—is with a little bit of codage. Mm. Not not everything, not you know the whole kit and caboodle, but a little bit to get me through because that game frustrates the shit out of me. You you got the kitten. Yeah. Not uh, but yeah, so you can either use Game Genie codes or you can use the wonderful thing called YouTube and yeah. uh, listen to it without actually playing it, which I think is probably the optimum uh, way to hear the music and. Do you, do you know if this game is uh is is like rare and or expensive to pick up? Uh no, I don't really track that sort of thing. Because mm. because like I kind of like I said I kind of want to give this game another try, but not if it's you know over thirty dollars or something like that. Well, there's a copy on eBay right now for ten seventy seven if you buy it now. Not bad. And then there's uh there's another one for five bucks. It's the starting bid and ten bucks for buy it now. Awesome. Four ninety nine for buy it now. So yeah, you could pick this up. Awesome. For fifty bucks, you can get the complete package with the boxes and the instruction <laughs> manual and even a black NES sleeve. Yeah, I probably don't need to go that far, but <laughs> go big or go home, man. But anyway, yeah, freaking amazing. And uh, you said Roy Koopa. Yeah, this is his, right? Yep. Yeah, That's I awesome. did not screw that up this time for everyone listening. Uh, I think it was the last episode. Or was it the one before that? Uh, either way, uh, I think it was the last episode. I had unfortunately switched a couple names accidentally and uh, tried editing out most of the errors, but some stuck, and I just it was too complicated to go back in. So mm-hmm. anyway, well let's uh, let's move forward then. As it's great deep. of a song as that was, we have others to get to, and uh, this one was submitted by Game Dad Grant, mm. and GDG. I have to do that every time. Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, it's it's another one of those songs that um, taps into the animal, you know, theme of the uh, NES licensed mm-hmm. games. It's just funny. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, but it's it's a good one for a game I never played. So let's let's hear it. So this was the end credits from Darkwing Duck for the NES, mm-hmm. and uh, I admit I've never played this game. Oh, I've seen the show. I've enjoyed the show. Excellent show. Uh, it was never. This is never one of my favorites though. Growing up, but I do remember enjoying it. And uh, you know, I've I've heard a few tracks from the game now that because uh, of this this th- um, podcast, and it had pretty good music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you seem to disagree a little bit about this credits theme. Uh well, it's just yeah. This is the this is the one from today's episode that I'm not crazy about, and uh, that doesn't mean it's a bad song by any stretch. It's just that uh, when I hear this, and of course it is that great Capcom NES work that we talked about earlier. But mm-hmm. uh, when I hear this, to me, it's just <laughs> this is gonna sound harsh, but it's just it's just a poor man's. Uh, Proto Man theme from Mega Man. 
that's what it that's just that's all I can think of when I hear when I hear that kind of whistle thing with the sort of like blues scale kind of notes. Um, that's just all I think of, and you know, it, just, it doesn't make me it doesn't make me uh, feel the different feels than I did when I would hear when I would hear that Proto Man. Um, but of course, it's going for a different feeling in general. I mean, what I found interesting about this is that for a credits theme. Um, you know, some of my favorite credits theme, like we've had on the show before, was Super Mario World theme, and and a lot of credits tend to be uplifting and like congratulatory. This one's kind of a somber feeling one, mm. and I wish I had context for which it exists. But regardless of that, you can still tell that it it it's subdued. It's like a right. noir kind of sound, yeah, and uh, and not some sort of Indiana Jones epic finale. And uh, so I think maybe that's what you're feeling. It's it's not uplifting in the same way that the other two songs we've we've heard today are, but I still like it. I think it's it's well composed and uh, it's very mellow, but I think it's well done and it does have a Capcom feel to it, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. almost in its own right, Capcom had its own like set of instruments. It's like a Capcom was the, oh, the yeah. band, you know. They had. I mean, even now, listening to some of the songs in the uh, 16-bit era that we're going to get to, the Super Nintendo versions of things versus the Sega Genesis, there's a Big difference, because the machines just had different sound chips. Yeah, and yeah. in some ways, I actually wish that I could have swapped for the Sega Genesis one because that had a just yep. a unique sound that wasn't necessarily better or worse, but just was different, and I enjoyed that more. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. in, in the same sense, you know, Capcom and certain companies uh, in any generation, really, but especially the eight-bit generation, had their own set of instruments, their own sounds. It, it's funny how you can tell a Capcom song when when you hear it. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a part of the technology aspect that I've actually never fully understood. And maybe if you know some of our listeners can chime in with the answer, but yeah, I don't. I guess uh, if I were to make a guess, I guess if it's just um, sort of a, a pre-programmed bank of sounds that you're just sort of that the music is just sort of acting as a cue to pull from, then I suppose it makes sense that each company could have arrived at their own bank of sounds right that they would create independently because you're absolutely right it just it seems like the different companies have instruments so to speak that are unique to the music that they develop and that's just been the case throughout that entire you know that entire era and it makes you wonder too how the output chips process sound and you know how it fed to the tv and you know you make a console and you patent it and I wonder how much of that patent technology affects people from copying others. And thus, you know, so in the 16-bit era, Sega had to have a different sound because they literally couldn't try to recreate what the Super, Nint- Super Nintendo was doing and vice mm-hmm. versa. Um, I don't know. That, that and a be... lot of people, especially Sega fans, will tell you that uh, that the Genesis had better, just objectively better sound, as they will put it i i admit i kind of feel that way in a lot of cases i yeah. grew up as a genesis guy though so hey me too so i kind of i guess was born to appreciate that and i like the super nintendo sound chip for sure yeah but there's something just special about the genesis which this was of course not for that <laughs> right. we're kind of diving into that Getting off track. i keep dragging us into that segment but but i do i did play i rented the darkwing duck game it's funny i i I feel like I rented a lot of games having gone through maybe I just rented a lot of licensed games but did you own DuckTales um, or did you rent that as well I never owned the first one oh oh yeah 
Played it at a friend's house. I own the the first one. I got that covered copy in my closet right now. Awesome. It's nice. Um, yeah, played it at his friend's house. Um, but yeah, rented this one. I was able to beat this one, so it's obviously not that hard if I was able to beat it during a rental. Um, but real good game, a lot of fun. Really? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very I should good look game. into it. It's a little odd how you know he your weapon is the gas gun. Mm-hmm. You know how he would have that little gun that would subdue enemies. Yeah. Um, and I think the way that the I don't know. The way that that's used is a little, a little strange, but it's ultimately probably the best thing they could have, could have done. But, uh, yeah, good game. Good game. Yeah. And good music, in my opinion. So, <laughs> thanks you, Game Day Grant, for that, uh, that mellow middle, we can call it. Yeah. Because I think the next two, the ones that you and I chose, uh, kind of go back towards the up, upbeat sounds of the first two songs we did. So, mm-hmm. Darkwing Duck's kind of an anomaly, but in a good way. I think mm-hmm. so. Let's go with uh, Joe's pick. All right. Awesome pick! Oh, thank you. I, I joked off the air that uh, I was going to rip that one to shreds, and <laughs> I really couldn't do that realistically because it's a good song. <laughs> and I, I never really, I just never cared. I guess past tense, but present tense as well for superheroes. It's just never been my thing. You know, I, I do like them. Oh, to just an across extent. the board, even comic books, movies, any of that. Yeah, not really. I mean, it's oh, not that I'm adverse to them. I just. None of them interest me like Mario and Zelda and other Nintendo franchises would. I don't get into them like certain books, I guess, and things like that. I just... Yeah, the only comics I ever really liked were The Walking Dead and uh, Archie comics when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. I do have an Archie comic... Or that's, Archie... A pretty, that's a pretty big spectrum right there. Pretty yeah, big range. I wish they'd do a crossover, though. That'd be sweet. <laughs> um, I do have an Archie vs. The Punisher issue. No. Is, yes. <laughs> I'm not sure how that happened, but... I don't believe you. You, know, you got my your Punisher in my Archie comics. Um, 
Now but, Archie's dead. <laughs> you think. But, uh, <laughs> hey, he's got Moose on his side, you know. That's Moose true. is an ass kicker. Anyway, um, so I never really, you know, was interested in playing the Batman NES game, which is what this comes, or Game Boy game, which is what this comes from. Yes. Um, but Batman games in general, uh, but again, that's not to say that I can't enjoy them. And this is an example of, like, I kind of wish that I was more in Batman growing up, because this is a damn good song. And even uh, Chris BG 99 he submitted uh, the Streets of Desolation Stage 1 song from the Batman NES game. That's why yes. I accidentally slipped in the wrong console there. But uh, And that was one I was thinking about, you know, volunteering uh, when we were discussing things. Because, I mean, the Batman games back then were examples of licensed games that had great music and actually great gameplay. Yes. You know, it's yes. not like they're known yes. for being shitty games with good music, because they're, they're primo games. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely worth um, worth acknowledging the fact that these are actual, actually good games uh, to go alongside with the good music. Yeah, and and my, the license. And my experience with my Game Boy back in the day was so random, because I had like no control over it. You know, I was yeah. at a certain age where games were being bought for me, and I didn't really even have an opinion about them. I just would get them. Right. Like, I randomly have Gremlins 2. I think I played that game before I even saw the movie. You know, just someone in my family just must have thought, oh, he he might like that. Sure. Uh, <laughs> which, by the way, was not volunteered here for the podcast because it doesn't have that great of music. But, uh-huh. uh, nor gameplay, but it was it was an alright game. Anyway, but let's get back to this. I'm taking a soft topic. Batman, the Chemical Factory stage. That's yes. what, Joe, you just picked. And yes. Tell tell me something about it, because I didn't play this game. I've played a little bit of the NES version, um, but the Game Boy game is a whole different game. Yes, extremely. And so, you know, tell us about that, and then where the song is incorporated. Sure. Well, as far as where the song is incorporated, it's just, um, you know, it follows the, well, I guess maybe follow, it borrows from the plot of the movie, from the 19, I think it was 89 movie, the first Michael Keaton, Tim yeah. Burton, Batman. And uh, so in that one, you know, there's the the Joker falls into the chemical vat, and that's how he gets all messed up and has to become Joker. Yeah, I know. Remember, Uh, I I don't play or, you know, watch a lot of Batman. You're spoiling the right now. (laughs) That's how the Joker gets like that? Uh Uh-huh. Sorry, go ahead. Um, That's okay. Uh, So, so, okay, so borrowed from the movie is is a better term because so in the game, you actually play through it's not even the first level of the game it's the second level so you um go and you basically fight uh the character's name is jack before he becomes the joker so you fight him at the end of this stage in a chemical factory and you knock him into the vat of whatever and that's how that's how that happens um which i think is actually you know that happens in the movie but not quite in that same like it's a distant flashback in the movie if i'm remembering correctly as opposed to in this game it's sort of they sort of happen just in straight sequence it's like anyway um but so as far as the gameplay it's actually a really really interesting game uh it actually kind of plays very similarly to a uh scrolling shooter uh even though it's a platformer um, but you're just constantly moving forward and, and shooting. You don't really do a lot of bouncing well, around, or no? There, uh, there's definitely uh, a lot of careful platforming that you have to do, and the game doesn't auto scroll. It's just that the way that you handle enemies and the, just the way that the fighting works uh, overall is 
directly ripped from a shoot 'em up. So, uh, a, <laughs> first of all, a very different thing about this Batman than any other version of Batman is he uses a gun. <laughs> so, which, as anyone who's ever read the comics or anything knows, Batman does not, uh, well, first of all, he does not kill, uh, and he does not shoot. He does not use a gun. He's a- averse to guns. Um, but in this game, he's got a big old powerful gun. <laughs> um, and so a lot of the gameplay is getting the various power ups, just like in a shoot 'em up, that do the different styles of bullet. So, and there's a lot of the sort of the old favorites. There's, there's like a wave form bullet. Um, there's of course one that is extremely powerful, but slow. There's one that is extremely powerful, but only goes a short distance. Um, and then there's, there's actually one that's unique to Batman, which is sort of like a batarang. And it looks like a batarang. It's supposed to be a batarang, but it still comes out the end of your gun for some reason. Um, and the way that works is it just, it's exactly like the boomerangs in Mario. You can shoot it forward, and if you jump over it or something, it'll it'll continue back. backwards. Does right. it then cycle back to you? Nope, it's just forward okay. and back. So and he just course, has like an infinite amount of them. Um, no, that that's the other thing. Uh, so the, that resembles a shoot 'em up is that you get power ups which can increase the number of bullets you can have on the screen at a time, which I think is up to four. Um, so, you, so none of these guns can you just spam them repeatedly. I mean, I suppose you can if the bullets exit the screen, but it's so it's it's more advanced than Super Mario 3D World, where you can only have two fireballs, sure, at one time, sure. Hmm. Um, and the other thing is that the power of your weapon, each weapon has its own power, but then there's a separate variable that's handled by what you pick up. So, like you can get um these items that will power your weapon down will take those take those number of bullets away. And the problem there is that the game is very conscious of this and will use these like even there's the normal gun, you can also pick up the original normal gun. So the game will use these consciously and place them so that you might get in a predicament where you either have to risk a very dangerous jump or throw yourself into one of these items that either gives you an inferior weapon or powers down your your current weapon. Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of that sort of like push and pull decision making where you have to think about prioritizing that weapon, which is extremely important. If you have a bad weapon or a weak weapon, uh, you really are going to be in trouble as far as beating a given level. But um, yeah, so it makes you, it forces you into these situations. And oftentimes, you know, you didn't do it on purpose. You wouldn't even necessarily know the first time going through. Um, it's, it, I don't know, it creates some interesting and at times frustrating, but, uh, some interesting elements of challenge in a game like this, which again, I think is more unique to the side scrolling shooter genre. Uh, in, in addition to that, there's, First of all, there's a, literally a level that's a side-scrolling shooter. One of the levels of the game you take into the uh, the Batwing, whatever it is, you know that that plane that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last element that's just like shooters is you get you get little orbitals. You get these. Um, you know how if you played a side-scrolling shooter, you know you can get power-ups that sort of revolve around your ship and they act as both a shield and offense, right? So same thing in this game. You can pick up these things. They're they're again batarangs supposedly, and they just kind of fly around you in a circle. Uh, and I think you can get up to four of them 
And they, you know, same as in other shooters, they work as defense and as offense. Um, it's just amazing that they're really made like a, like a side scrolling shooter platformer and it totally worked. Yeah. Yeah. Looking at, uh, some screenshots and all that, you know, Batman's actually pretty small on the screen. So, absolutely. He doesn't have that kind of like Metroid 2 problem where you're just (laughs) too close to everything and, right. Um, it seems kind of freeing and, and like it might be a, a pretty fun and challenging game. Yeah, they definitely you know were willing to sacrifice the beautiful pixel art for you know just having more space on the screen to do to do some good platforming. But doesn't the game also have like cutscenes that are done in pixel art? Yeah, um, you know they don't um, they don't animate a whole lot. They do a little bit, and there's not a ton of variety in them, but they are pretty darn good looking. I mean, the yeah, I don't remember the the movie frame by frame, but I'm quite sure in looking at this art that they took uh, you know some stills from the movie and then just uh, just you know used a grid or something and uh, and came up with the with the images used uh, for those cutscenes. It actually, it actually does a pretty darn good job recreating the feel of the movie. And as a kid who only had a Game Boy originally and really liked that first Batman movie, um, you know, this, this hit the spot for me. And, uh, and, uh, it's definitely a game, even today, I think it would be worth playing. I'm sure, I'm sure it's probably not that expensive if you were to try to pick it up. I've already looked at it. Looked it up. It's uh ranges from like five to fifteen dollars depending on who's selling it on eBay. So and actually in some cases it's with it's with other games. So you're paying fifteen bucks but you're getting three different games. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, yeah not this, too hard. This music track, you know, is one that stood out the the whole game has good music, certainly. Uh but this one really stood out to me and I just you know, it's the same kind of thing that I always I always end up saying that I like on this podcast, but I, you know, it's got that high melody at points, which is really uh, energizing, and then it kind of the bottom kind of drops out and drops into those low, uh, you know, those low chords, uh, doing the sort of, um, you know, it's all in uh, minor key. It sounds like, uh, which I think sticks with the whole uh, Dark Knight kind of atmosphere. You know, the the music is not very cheery in this game. So. No, goes, but it also, uh, it sounds very appealing, though, to listen to while you're running and gunning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the double-time drums kick in, and, ah, very good, very good. Well, great. I don't really have anything to add, so, uh... I will just, I'll just give a shout-out to, um... Michael Keaton? <laughs> wanted to give a shout-out to Roy Koopa for mentioning the Ninja Turtles Fall of the Foot Clan game, which, even though... That game and music had deep nostalgic resonance for me. Uh, it, it just got me thinking of game. It got me in the Game Boy mindset, and that's how I arrived at using this Batman song. Mm-hmm. Uh, was because I just thought, like, yeah, you know, I even ran it by you. I was like, Game Boy's an eight-bit machine, right? That counts. Um, so yeah, so yeah. Uh, Roy Koopa, sixty-four, Game Dad Grant. Um, they, in particular, were the two guys who submitted quite a few Game Boy songs, and I appreciate that because, again, my my Game Boy scope was kind of limited because of just what was coming at me. And I, you know, by the time I had a consciousness of what I wanted to play, I was beyond that generation, so I couldn't just go back and pick things up. And Nintendo hasn't been very easy to 
allow us to play those games right now on the uh, virtual consoles. As much as they've promised it, who knows why it's waiting this long, but... Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's great. Yep. Then let's jump, jump... Forward. Let's jump in uh, and rest our weary heads into the fifth and final song for the 8-bit section. Yes. Um, I think people will recognize who did this song. I think they will probably recognize this song. It's, it's In my opinion, it's one of the more iconic songs, kind of like The Moon, in terms of... Uh, how well people know it, but uh, I guess we'll see if you uh, agree. Here it is. This is my pick, and it was a no-brainer. It's Little Nemo, the Dream Master's Mushroom Forest stage, which is the first stage in the game, and just such an iconic song for me, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of people. This this is a game known for its difficulty, but also for its music, and it's from Capcom. 
if, yeah. if, if that wasn't apparent. Uh, it does have a Capcom sound to it, but it is a little different because it's not, you know, you're not running and gunning like in uh, Mega Man or something like that. Right. And I mean, I will say it's not, it's not as, you know, we, we talked about how the, each company seems to have its own instruments that it borrows from. At least this Capcom song seems to, if not use completely, then rely on a different set of instruments. Mm hmm. So there are some like the little little high pitched almost string kind of thing that that sounds familiar, but but the rest I wouldn't absolutely say like oh what is this from Mike Man right right Ducktales yeah so yeah and I mean definitely when we were talking about that it's not a you know dead fast rule it's uh, you know more of a guideline and um, but the reason that this is licensed because I'm not sure how many people even are aware of this but Little Nemo the game. Which is Little Nemo the Dream Master. That was created in, I believe, uh, well, you know what? Actually, release date was oh, okay. No, they all did come around out around the same time. They came out in 1990, late 1990. Mm -hmm. Now it's based off of a movie, which in Japan came out in 1989, and in America it came out in 1991. No, 92. So there was a three-year gap between that. And in, in between there is when the game came out. Now, the movie is based off of a comic strip from the early 1900s. Uh -huh. uh, from like 1905-ish, somewhere in there, to uh, 1926. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's just it's kind of an interesting trail of uh, source material. But it is a licensed game in that respect. And when I when I wanted to play it, I realized, well... Doesn't really follow the the rules, I guess. But oh, rules, I think totally does. Yeah, I guess it, it just kind of redefines, in a sense, what licensed game means. I guess I I assume that it has to be like a big franchise if it's a licensed game, like right, Batman right, right. or Ducktales, you know, that kind of thing. But mm -hmm. Little Nemo, eh, it's licensed too, really. Mm -hmm. So of course, some people may be familiar with this game under its Japanese title, <laughs> Pajama Hero Nemo. Yes, or Nemo. I guess they probably pronounce it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that was kind of a funny fact I just learned two seconds ago is Pajama <laughs> Hero, which the Japanese always awesome. have some creative ways. Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah. Um, I believe the comic strip itself was, uh, I think I think it was Little Nemo in Slumberland, or Little Nemo. It, it had the little terminology, mm -hmm. and uh, so I guess they just didn't want, um, you know, little in the uh, Japanese title. But the gist of the game is... You are this boy who gets sucked into the dream world, or slumberland, as it's known in some some facets, and uh, you have to befriend animals by feeding them candy, and they right. give you some power-ups, and some are required, and some are just more helpful than others, and you collect keys around the world, and then they open a door at the end of it, and you can move left to right, you know, there's exploration, you can dig, you can climb, uh... It's very, very fun, actually. The only problem is that it's pretty damn difficult, too. Mm. So part of it involves that whole enemy showing up at a random time when the screen hits a certain spot. But uh, there's some platforming mechanics in later levels. I remember there's like a... I remember like a lot of dead trees where there's just like a trunk and some branches. Mm -hmm. And the platforming there and with the enemies, it's really, really tricky. I've never actually beaten it normally myself, although I haven't even beaten it with... I haven't tried with, like, a Game Genie or something, but uh, I've gotten decently far. I've gotten 
maybe halfway through, but it's it's frustrating because when you lose all your lives, I'm pretty sure you have to go back to the start of the game. So that's probably the reason that I've been been kind of stuck where I'm at. I, I could probably use like a infinite lives trick or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, but no, the game itself has great music pretty much throughout, and there's actually uh, a couple little very short tunes that I, I want to use on my phone for like my emails or texts or something like that because they're just they sound so damn good mm-hmm. but uh but this this game has always been full of great memories for me it's got some cool characters and and just a neat premise especially for a kid growing up in oh, the yeah. uh, late 80s and early 90s the idea of going to bed and and having this world at your fingertips is pretty sweet right I remember the movie being kind of scary, actually, too, because the the evil being is kind of like a um, like a black sludge in, in in I think at least in one of the forms. I'm not sure if it actually had a humanoid form or not, but uh, so it was kind of scary. And hmm. so there's a lot a lot to mine here. I never actually have read the or- original strips from Windsor McKay, who was the man who created them, but. Uh, well, I should. I mean, I really need to for this for this context. But what did you think of the song? I thought it was good. I thought it was, um, you know, so it's sort of the, uh, I don't know, to say typical sounds like an insult. But, uh, you know, it's it's right in line with that sort of, you know, kind of upbeat, happy, keep you moving video game music that I think uh, we all love. Yeah. Now I, I would go to say, as much as I love it, it doesn't really feel like a forest theme to me. I don't. There's nothing oh, about it no. that really feels like a forest theme. No. I guess from what I know about forest themes, and we've talked about that, and like like in past episodes, you know, the fire themes did have a distinct set of sounds to them, and same thing with the ice themes. But if we were to do one with forest themes, uh, they I think they would vary more than than other themes. And we're not to spoilerize anything, but I think we're gonna revisit that very concept a little bit later maybe maybe <laughs> maybe not maybe, maybe just being not. a jerk and teasing the shit of our listeners and, <laughs> and in fact we're gonna have like an underwater theme for I'll the rest s- of the uh, <laughs> we should start doing that or like a deforestation song and we may those- have a song about uh space astronaut buzz aldrin later in the episode that's the opposite of a forest for you Okay, <laughs> I think we just learned uh, what you and I think uh, is the opposite of a forest. I think it's the the darkness of the underwater world, and you think it's the darkness of space. Yeah, we should challenge our listeners. What's the opposite of a forest? Yes, you? a burnt um, down forest, perhaps, or uh, a root system. Ah, mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Why are we debating this? I don't know. Let's just um, let's move forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add to the music. It, you're right; it is kind of a, again, not not to say it's kind of a standard song doesn't mean to sound like an insult, but <laughs> right. um, it's it's got a great catchy tune. It yeah. doesn't necessarily do anything special, but it's a really fantastic one to play with and to to hear. And it's a song that for me, I can listen to out of its context any day of the week. Yes. I mean, when I when I used to edit wedding videos a lot and, and do a lot of uh, wedding videography, I would totally fit in video game music into um, into my projects. And of course, 
I would do so in more like I would I would look for an orchestrated version of this or a string version of that, of course, to make it fit the wedding theme. And I wouldn't necessarily I'm not saying that I would put this song blatantly somewhere in a uh, in a wedding video, but I could see myself trying to use it outside of its video game context mm-hmm. uh, in in like a video project because it's got such a great beat. And totally. you know what? I might as well throw uh, a quick shout out to the let's see what are their names? There's two guys, Mega Ran and K Murdoch. And they, these are two guys who rap to video game music, but not just in like, you know, some amateur way where they just play the song and then they just kind of rap over it like they're Eminem or something. Mm-hmm. They, they actually really incorporate hip hop beats into these, into songs from any, the NAS days. And uh, I think even beyond that, they've, they've broadened themselves. But one of my favorite all time songs there's is to this song. And mm. it tells a story about pretty much a boy, pretty much one of them, I think. Um, growing up and how the, the NES kind of kept him off the streets. You know, he wasn't messing around with drugs or other kind of bad riffraff because he was busy playing Nintendo with his friends. Hmm. And, you know, considering where he grew up and everything. And it's such a cool mishmash, and it's got a great story and a great theme, um, a great message to that song that I definitely want to shout out to uh, to those guys. I'm not sure if those two do work together anymore because I've heard this a long time ago, but I just found them on Twitter, actually. Huh. So, uh, so give them a listen. Mega Ran and K Murdoch, and they have tons of songs to other uh, Nintendo classics, from Chrono Trigger to uh, I think maybe not Mega Man, but um, oh, you know, I think they do Ducktales. I'm not sure if it's the Moon, but it might be. Hmm. Uh, but I know they do Ducktales because it's one of my other favorite songs. So, yeah, check them out. That was a random segue. Sweet. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll leave that there, and I guess you want to jump into the 16-bit world. Let's let's go. Let's double our bits. So we should. Uh, I should have had you do some sort of um, transition, like a like a game commercial, you know, from back in the day. <laughs> Any blast processing? Uh, yeah. To the no. extreme bits. To the extreme. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Let's just move forward. So, uh, our first song with these 16-bit license games is another submission from Roy Cooper 64, and this was uh, he he submitted a few songs from this game, and mm-hmm. with good reason. The soundtrack as a whole is really good, but uh, this one was kind of our favorite. So here you go.
So that was awesome. That and, was awesome. And it sounded like a forest to me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, especially that first part. That first part, I feel like you're walking through a forest, a yeah. scary forest, a dark forest. Yep. Perhaps a stage two from Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. Or the Magical Quest. Mm-hmm. And now this is a key example of one of those games I've always wanted to play and I just never have before. And enough to like emphasize like I have been never have before. <laughs> um, in fact, I was really excited for that new Epic Mickey game, the handheld one for the uh, 3DS. Oh uh, yeah, because it was supposed to be like Castle of Illusion or something. Yeah, it was supposed to be because yeah, because M- the Magical Quest, Castle of Illusion, those were all around the same time when they released, right? Uh, they're, yeah, they're, they're same kind of, era for sure. Like, I think Castle of Illusion was Genesis, and this was Super Nintendo. So oh, okay, so they didn't co-release um, on both you know systems or whatever. I don't think so. But I mean, they they definitely have the same graphical style. I think the music is supposed to be kind of similar. Not that they're the same game at all, but this is kind of a primo time for Mickey gaming, and uh, and I just remember always wanting to play these games, but. Unfortunately, yeah, that Epic Mickey game did not turn out to be uh, so hot. I played the, the demo. 3DS one or yeah. all of them in general? The, uh, oh, well, I don't know. I beat Epic Mickey on the uh, the Wii. Yeah. But it was kind of begrudging in the end because of the gameplay flaws. Right. But uh, with the demo I played of the 3DS one, which is what I'm kind of referencing here because of the same, or similarities in terms of graphical and gameplay, uh, it just, I don't know, it didn't get my get me excited at all. It was really boring. But that never deterred me from wanting to play this game or uh, or the other one on the uh, Genesis because I just remember these being really, really great games back in the day that I never played. Mm-hmm. So, the, unless you have something to say about the game in general, uh, the music definitely speaks of forest. Of, yeah. Like a forest theme. Like That's exactly what I would feel I hear when I, when I think of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And part of it, I think, is maybe the way that it's layered up and what it's layered up with. Uh, can you can you articulate better for me what I'm trying to say? I think you you know. Well, too. well, for, you know, in one way, first of all, it's what's amazing about this is, um, you know, I, I don't know who the composer was. I'm sure we could find out, but uh, it's at least sounds like it is written in that style that goes right along with the actual Disney. If not the movies, then the cartoon shorts. Uh, you know, it's that same aesthetic. It's that same approach. Um, so I think that there are things like the little, um, you know, the kind of flute sounds and things that are just very reminiscent of uh, the kind of scenes that we're used to in in forests from the Disney cartoons. Uh, so I, I think that that uh, is a very easy way to sort of elicit that that emotion that feeling uh, and i think it does it very effectively the other thing you know when you're thinking of a of a forest and in this case it's kind of like an old spooky forest uh i think they communicate the old part with that um i you know i can't tell what instrument it's trying to emulate but there's a part of that music that sounds old you know what i mean it sounds like the instrument or the recording is like old and grainy or worn out or slightly out of tune mm-hmm. um so i think for me it's those two things the the 
the the woodwinds, which of course doesn't necessarily have to be made of wood, but that and then the the old the sort of the sort of tarnished old weathered sound that's what communicates the forest piece to me and I would have to completely agree, and then there's something kind of medieval feeling to me, yeah, like the flutes almost like Robin Hood. Yeah, which then yeah. makes me link to kind of sink back to the forest theme because that's where you know that character is kind of based. Uh, so yeah, I think everything about this in some way or another screams forest and then uh, nature and and old timey. I think is definitely a, another example. It's not like ragtime old time, but yeah, it's uh, uh, aged would be a good word. I think definitely, and it's really it's really you know it's that kind of thing. Um, where, you know, all, all these, you know, so many video games, doesn't really matter what setting it is. Like, a lot of times it'll just be like, oh, this is some kind of, you know, rock and roll with electric guitar. And maybe there will be, you know, a line in the melody or a bass part or something that sort of fits well with the setting. But as I think you were just alluding to, you know, this style of music is more just medieval or or just, you know, more fantasy realm than, you know, if it was just an electric guitar riff and, and some rock drum kits underneath it. Yeah. Um, I think that works works really well. And distant cartoons in general always, of course, when I say always, I'm not saying always, but <laughs> oftentimes would uh, incorporate old stories. They'd be kind of remixes of old tales, uh, fairy right. tales or those kind of things. Robin Hood, I'm sure, was mocked in... Uh, or not mocked, that's a bad word for it too, but you know what I mean. It was sort of parody, a little parody. bit there spoofed, yeah. Um, in, in Mickey cartoons somewhere, I guarantee it. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. Yeah, all the all the various uh, little costumes that Mickey wears in, in this um, game. Uh, well, maybe not the Fireman one, but uh, as far as I know, yeah, they're, they're pulled from different cartoons that yeah. Mickey starred in. But see, the thing is, too, I wouldn't doubt if there's a Fire Mickey, you know, Fireman Mickey cartoon somewhere. Yeah, you know, maybe there was. Out. I mean, to me, like, I know the one, the sort of like, uh, you know, he's got one that almost looks kind of like Peter Pan, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like one climber type looking thing. But um, but I think that one is pulled from, from like a Jack and the Beanstalk Mickey. Yeah, yeah. So, right. Anyway, go on with your thought. I mean, I was kind of done. I was just saying that Disney cartoons tend to borrow from old stories and, and past stories. And so I think here they're trying to oh, yeah. have that kind of fantastical, but older old feeling, you know, like relic forest mm-hmm. um, that you might see in a cartoon as opposed to some sort of new forest and, and the present forest, I guess, because mm-hmm. the games always reference the past and, and history and everything. So uh, it's a very good forest theme. It's, it sounds authentically forest-like, and uh, which again, of course, that's subjective to to people. But um, but I thought it was very good, and I, I yep. liked it, and it only made me want to play the game more. You absolutely should. We yeah. we were talking earlier about. I mean, I you know, I there was not too many Super Nintendo games I got to play during the era. This was this was one of them when I borrowed the Super Nintendo from a friend, and he had this game. So and I really didn't. I mean, I at the time, I would never really have sought out a Mickey Mouse game. Uh, but I just, man, I played this game over and over and over. It was that good. It was just enjoyable. It wasn't, you know, it's not, doesn't take very long to beat. 
Uh, it was just fun. It was the reason why people play Mario games over and over, I think. It was just entertaining. It was just enjoyable. Well, you kept me sold. Yeah, yeah. I mean, see if I can track down a copy. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's a Mega Man element to it because you acquire these suits and they all have these different powers and. And it is a Capcom game. (laughs) Which is like, this is like a Capcom episode, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Well, if Capcom, if they were the ones who kind of secured the Disney rights, then. That's true. And if good licensed games came from Disney, then it all makes sense. And I've, I've heard some interviews about, uh, different, or from different developers during that era. And I, there was a lot of care taken with with licensed games back then from Disney, mm-hmm. um, and not just Mickey, but also just Disney cartoons. Uh, I really don't think that there's a significant amount of duds compared to the gems from back then, and I think there's a reason for that. Whoever was in, in control clearly was uh, a pretty business savvy person and knew what the market was asking for. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I've always heard that in Japan, like, Disney is just as big, if not bigger, than it is here, which is why we have things like Kingdom Hearts. Mm-hmm. So when you incorporate that, it makes sense that these Disney games that, you know, the studios in Japan making them would not just be like, oh, well, it's just, you know, I don't, who cares about Mickey Mouse, you know, this obscure Western yeah, nothing gets Fix. lost in translation because they actually yes. care about it. Yes, yes. There, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, thank you to Mari Yamaguchi, who was the composer for uh, for that game. He's probably listening. Probably. <laughs> um, along with producer Noah Dudley. Ah, uh, yes. Sorry, this is what happens when Wikipedia is up on my computer. No duds. It's no duds. Cool. That's what you call them. Duds. Yep. No duds. A Capcom. What's up? <laughs> uh, apparently, really quick, a, a quick mention. There was a Game Boy Advance re re release or remake, re- and um, re- the reception was not nearly as good. Well, I'm seeing that there's all these Game Boy Advance sequels. Uh, I don't know. I'm interested. Magical Quest Three, for example, yeah. starring Mickey and Donald. So you upgrade that. Yeah, he's wearing a fez on the box art, <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah. So anyway, well, let's move on to the uh, to the next theme or the next song in this theme, which is from yet another <laughs> <laughs> yet another. I'm just gonna say it. Another Disney uh, yep. related franchise uh, that really I never played. Almost a Disney episode. Y- y- you know what? I mean, Flash Capcom. You can't avoid it. These are good songs, and Yep. These are what were submitted, and th- by our rules, we have to pick the first three from the submissions, and so uh, I mean, I'm not complaining, but if anyone else is, all you got to do is submit songs. Mm-hmm. You know, give us more to choose from, in a sense, although we had a bunch. I mean, there's there's never really a, a lack thereof, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here we go. This is um, a song from Pokey Freak 911, and he was really excited to uh, to submit songs from this game, so give it a listen. Thank you. 
Donald Duck and Maui Mallard. Um, actually, no, that wasn't. That was. Well, it depends on. There's a couple different ways to interpret the very confusing title. So it's, as far as I know, uh, in this era, there were a number of games where they basically took Donald Duck, and for some reason gave him a different name. And then had that character star in a video game. Yeah. If that makes any sense. So it was not like Donald Duck as Maui Mallard in such and such. Even though it kind of was. But the title would just be Maui Mallard in Cold Shadow, I believe is the name of the game. Apparently so. I I guess I'm a little confused because... uh... Because it's confusing. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, I mean, I haven't played this this game, and uh, from the music alone, I do want to. That seems to be the, the running trend. It's that a platforming music game. So good. And what's interesting, I guess, what I was kind of taking from this is you got Donald Duck, and he was uh, Maui Mallard is a detective. Okay. In this game, in the Maui Mallard and Cold Shadow. This detective is also like a ninja. A ninja, yeah. So it's it's a duck who's a detective who's a ninja. And yep. so you have both kind of elements playing out in this song, which is what I really liked. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You've got like a tropical... I mean, I think the game takes place in a tropical setting, so you have this kind of tropical... Like, oh, weirdly enough, it makes me think of Beverly Hills Ninja. But you got this kind of like sunny 
um, ninja-sounding kind of, or almost oriental in a sense. Mm-hmm. But then you also have some detective-sounding elements in there too. There's this one sound, and I know since we don't talk over the music, I can't pinpoint it exactly. But there's a certain tone you hear that reminds me of uh, Professor Layton. Okay. Where okay. I think it's I think it's the part of Professor Layton when you start a puzzle or something like that. Is it um, the um or the little story um, section? Those little like vibraphone things, the little like, like almost boom. like uh, okay, something, something like that. But you have to listen to the song again, uh, which to, is to impossible. Really yes, there is no re- re- <laughs> rewind button on here. No, my computer does not have that capability. No, no. Uh, but still, that's there. So what's really cool for me that I picked up is this mix of ninja and detective. Yeah. Uh, you know, these kind of themes playing out in the song. Yeah, and there's there's that um, that other, you know, I mentioned with the Silver Surfer thing about, like, I can't believe there's no sampling. There's that sound where it's like this very muted, and I think this is where the ninja part comes in, too. It's like, it's like two hollow bamboo sticks hitting each other is what it sounds like to me. Uh, and I, it's just, I can't believe that that's done with a freaking computer chip, you know, or per- programming. I like it's, it sounds so realistic. It sounds, uh, I don't know how they do this stuff, but, um, it's just a high quality song altogether. Yeah, you're right. It's got that groove to it. You were saying, like, if you're not dancing during this, you yeah. have no soul. Yeah, it's kind of like a, it's jazzy. Oh man! So it's so it's, good. It sounds like a detective song of some kind. There's like a sense of mystery to it. Then you got this kind of Oriental ninja aspect to it. Then you got this jazzy, you know, dance beat going on. Yep. It makes me want to tiptoe and beat the crap out of people with a bamboo stick, exactly. dressed as a, you know duck ninja detective right which is what i did the first time i heard this song and i got in trouble well that's because you're not a good enough ninja (laughs) (laughs) or you were doing it under the cover of daylight (laughs) that could have been my mistake (laughs) uh but it's it's pretty cool you know and looking at the box art uh which is just what's in front of me right now um i like the you know it sounds stupid to, to talk about the font or something but the font and the character design and the color scheme it's it's all very appealing Yep. Yeah. I think it would be really cool to go give this game a try. And Poke yeah, Freak really okay. loves the music in general. He submitted a couple songs from it. This particular one was called The Test of Duckhood. But there's also Mojo Mansion that he submitted, and they're both from this game. Awesome song. Makes me want to try out the game. I'd be kind of interested to see a sequel. Although I know that, you know, it's not a hot property. It's not something that they would bring back right now, but um I don't know. I think it, I think Disney games in general have slowed down a lot. You have mm. Epic Mickey, you have Kingdom Hearts, but you don't have games like this. No. And I don't see why not. Why yeah. don't they do uh, like fun small platformers on the 3DS, for instance? These days they're too busy with Disney Infinity. Oh yeah, that, that exists, doesn't it? Yeah, for better or worse. I don't. I mean, look, it's I'm not the target audience, and I. There's lots of kids having a great time with it, and that's exactly what video games are here to do. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so but their their efforts are there instead of putting Donald Duck as a detective ninja. <laughs> well, let's move on then to mm-hmm. our eighth song today, which is uh, yeah, some more Disney. 
<laughs> I have to be yep. uh, be honest, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a choice from Roy Cooper sixty four, and um, I I have a lot of experience playing this game growing up for the Genesis anyway. But uh, even if you didn't ever play this game, I think you can appreciate the music if you're a Disney fan. So here you go. I think there's a lot to say here and not in a bad way but it's just it's a, I agree. It's, a it's a minimalist song yeah yeah it is and i think it might be actually based off of a song from the movie the lion king there were a lot of songs in the yeah. Lion King. It, it very well could be a song that was part of an instrumental you know piece in, in the movie because i know that the, this game borrowed heavily from the movie itself mm-hmm. both in graphical style um Musically, there's a lot of songs. I think, like, I Just Can't Wait to Be King is in there, mm-hmm. um, which was almost actually uh, picked for this as well. That was submitted by Roy Koopa. And this one we, we chose, though, because it's, it's not so blatantly just, you know, an actual song someone made up for right. a movie. 
And, uh, and I have fond memories of playing this game, not only because The Lion King was one of my favorite Disney films growing up, but, and still is one of my favorite films, um, from Disney, but it's, uh, it's such a peaceful song. And I kind of like having those on our podcast from time to time. Mm-hmm. Like, this makes me think of, you know, Simba just walking around the savannah. And yeah. maybe during a sunset, it's very calming. And uh, there were parts of the game that were stressful, but there were also levels that were kind of laid back like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did you ever play this game? Yes, I did. Uh, in fact, just uh, just this past summer, I played it for the first time. Oh, wow. As a matter of fact. yeah. How did, how did that come about? Um, well, actually, Amy and I kind of did th- this thing where we just sort of, you know, there was a retro game store right by our house and, since I would go there with her and she, of course, you know, was a fan of, you know, kind of Disney licensed games. We kind of went on this kick where we, we got, uh, we bought Magical Quest and we bought, um, Tiny Toons and she already had the Animaniacs game. And then we bought this game. And she had had this game when she was a kid and like could never beat the Stampede level, mm-hmm. which I guess has, it's famously difficult for some people, but um, that's like it's kind of coming at you, isn't it? Or, or yeah, you exactly. Have to kind of dodge, yeah, yeah. And like when she replayed it as an adult, now uh, she realized that you could jump, <laughs> something like that. Like she did not know you could jump. There's a simple mechanic she just was missing exactly. as a kid. Exactly. So she beat it on her second try, and even though she never did as a child, so. Uh, but the thing about that game, because have you played it and or beaten it? I never beat it, but it's a game that's in my library on the Genesis. And I've, for a long time, I've wanted to go just through my old games and just beat everything I never did as a kid. And I still plan on doing that, but there's just so much stuff you know, coming at you um, that's new. It's hard to go back that far, but I did get quite a few levels in. And I mean, I definitely was really good at the first couple, <laughs> you know, like... I played those so many times, and then I could never get farther than, than the mid-game, but uh, I don't know if, if... Well, the Stampede, that couldn't have happened that late in the game, because that's when nope. Mufasa <laughs> dies. Yeah. I think I'm going to play that a few times, but I don't remember being exceptionally good at it or anything, mm-hmm. nor getting too much farther. I don't remember getting uh, the chance to be adult Simba very much, either, so... I probably played through about half the game quite a bit, and then never the full game. Yeah, yeah. So, but to, to actually beat the game, I mean, my God, it is a hard game. Okay. It gets really difficult, and the final battle with Scar, mm-hmm. it is, it's ridiculous. It's like, to beat him, you basically have to, unfortunately, reduce the game. Like, you know how it, it's great when you can play a game sort of as if... <clears throat> You know, like play it in in a way that the actual character would act, mm-hmm. as opposed to when you have to reduce a game to like this is a video game. If I press this at this point and then press this, I will win. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you have to do to beat the last boss. Is it's just you have to just get in this repetition, and then just and the problem is his life bar. You can't see it, but he takes a million hits, mm. so you have to just do it forever it's crazy and the uh even there's a code that you can put in at the title screen or the options menu or something to get um i'm not sure if it's infinite lives or 30 lives but 
whichever it is, it's an absolute requirement, I think, to beat the game because eventually it just gets insanely difficult, which is so odd for, you know, you would think a nice, cute Disney licensed game, not that it would necessarily be easy, but that it would at least well, be designed be for a yeah. kid to beat it. Yeah. Yeah. The median age of the movie goer should, uh, <laughs> right. should be able to tackle the, the game. Right, right. But still a well-made game in spite of some, you know... Would you say it's worth me going back to try to beat? Or is uh, it better to YouTube it and just move on with my life? That is a very difficult question. I would say, other than that last boss, the difficulty for the rest of it is quite manageable. Mm -hmm. And I think if you know going into the last boss what I just told you, then it won't be so bad. Just do it. Just do it like that the very first time just establish a pattern get yourself a nice soft drink and <laughs> or or adult beverage yeah. and uh just just do that till till the credits roll hmm. all right fair enough mm. i do remember having fond memories of of the er earlier levels though i mean the art was really great in this game the animation yeah yeah well the animations yeah good thing you brought that up i wanted to mention that the animations are quite good especially for this era. And I really liked how, you know, they incorporated, um, you know, there, there would be like a, like a random giraffe or something that from the movie that, you know, did not have a key role, but you know, the one in the game looks like the one from the movie yeah. and you know, little touches like that, that were really, were really nice. And sometimes I think that stuff gets ignored for licensed games. You know, they take a lot of liberties um, just cause they're lazy, I guess. I've heard a uh, interview with these guys, with the guys who made this game, and this is a few years ago, I think. I forget exactly where I found it, but it was online. It was like an hour long, and it was really good and in depth. And the guy was talking about how Disney worked so close with them, actually giving them frames from the film of which to like kind of trace the characters to uh, to create that kind of fluid motion, so they could really do the the pixel art to be correct. And and they worked back and forth, like pretty tire tirelessly to to get that to look like the movie as best it could. Mm -hmm. I mean, for licensed games or any game otherwise, the fluidity of the animations in that game are top notch, possibly some of the top stuff in the whole uh, generation. Mm. And so to, when I heard that they worked so closely with uh, the game developers, I was not surprised. Yeah. I think there was some strife, too, in terms of agreements and stuff, but when they got through those, um, it just it came out a pretty great product. Absolutely. Except for Scar. <laughs> yep. But cool. So, I mean, unless there's anything else you want to say, we, no. can, uh, we can move on to your pick. Yep. And uh, anything you want to say before we jump into that? Uh, all I will say is that the... This <laughs> is gonna sound odd. The song itself, not that great, but I think hmm. the story the story behind it makes it worth inclusion. All right, you've hyped up the audience, and you better pay pay off, man. <laughs> All right, here's the song.
All right, so that was uh, Joe's pick. Mm-hmm. Um, quick disclaimer, uh, you might start hearing some piano now as uh, Joe's neighbor has decided to uh, start his own little concert. Yep, he knew we were doing the euphonic episode and thought he would supply some background music. Uh, yeah. Well, let us know if he's playing any uh, particular video game tunes. Probably won't be. Yeah. Probably won't be. He is a world-class pianist, though. Yeah? Yeah. He's quite good. And he only plays for like 10 minutes at a pop, so he might actually already be done. <laughs> okay, fascinating. Well, back anyway. to the song in question. Um, yes, song in question. This this is an interesting choice, and I'll, I'll just let you take the reins on this. Interesting insofar as it's really cliche it's, to pick this song because everyone loves it and says it's the best video game song ever. Is that why? This is the DuckTales, the moon of the 16-bit era, for <laughs> sure. Exactly. Uh, no. So this is um, this is the opening theme song from Maximum Carnage, which uh, was on the Super Nintendo. Although I played the Sega Genesis version, and but, it's a Spider-Man uh, game. Yes. Oh, yes. Referencing Carnage. Carnage, the character. Absolutely. In fact, referencing a particular twelve-issue story arc from Spider-Man. Okay. Um, it's actually pretty neat as a game. It's pretty cool because it just it just follows that twelve issue comic story arc, which oh, is okay. which is pretty pretty cool. Uh, lets you know how big of a deal that story arc was back in the day. Now, so, can you not to divert us to the actual source too much, but can you clarify for me how Carnage is different than uh, like Venom? Venom, sure, because he looks like it, but he's just not black, right? And based on my limited knowledge, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's actually really simple. It's uh. So you know how Venom is an is an alien symbiote, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, right? So uh, Carnage is quite simply the uh, offspring of that alien. It just it they they reproduce asexually, and mm-hmm. they so he has a offspring, and then it attaches itself to this other lunatic, and there you go. Okay, and just happens to look a lot like Spider Man, but honestly, oh yeah, yeah, the color, yeah, the coloration, they all. Well, there's been a couple different symbiotes over the years, and they all uh, they all look slightly different. So that one looking kind of more Spider-Man-ish. Just a coincidence. Yeah, I think I don't. Yeah, I think it's coincidence. Even in the design, I think it's coincidence. I think it probably they wanted to to look just like crimson red. Yeah. Kind of thing, but yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Yeah. So this uh, piece of music, uh, the reason why I chose it, it's as I said. It's not even all that pleasant to listen to. I guess it's kind of cool, depending on your tastes. But what I thought was worth discussing about this was um, the fact that this 16-bit cartridge game had a real live rock band as its composers. So uh, this song in particular actually had a live studio recording with lyrics that showed up on that band's album. Uh, hmm. The the band is called Green. Okay, it's called Green Jello, even though it's spelled Green Jelly. J- but it's pronounced Jello. It is pronounced Jello. This gets weirder and weirder. Doesn't it though? Uh, the band was originally called Green Jello, but then they got a uh, what is it? Copyright infringement notice from, from the Jello Corp- or from Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> direct from Bill Cosby. Yeah. <laughs> and a f- listener of this podcast. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um but uh anyway, yeah, so so it's 
spelled jelly, but they still pronounce it jello. And uh, so they're just like a metal, just a metal band from, I think they started in the 80s or something like that. And at some point they were approached to do the soundtrack for this game, which is, to me at that time, the fact that you had a real band composing for a video game, I just thought that was the coolest thing. Uh, and and it actually it really shows because it, it is kind of like when you have sort of a different artist do the score for a movie where it it doesn't it's not necessarily like they were even trying to write music for that would fit the game so to speak like it's basically just their kind of heavy metal music which then set the tone for this game if that makes sense so they were not it didn't sound like they were ever writing score as much as it was like, okay, you want us to do this. It's going to have our sound and that sound will dictate the tone of this game. Um, so yeah, and I would encourage everyone who cares to, to, uh, we'll put the link in the notes for, for this, uh, this episode, but go and listen to the, the live version or not live, but the studio Studio recording version with lyrics uh the lyrics are terrible the vocals are okay but it's just amazing to see you know how this real song was condensed down and fit into this video game um i don't know i just think it's so interesting like i said in the day i thought it was just so cool i felt like this was really legitimizing games because they had a real rock band contributing the soundtrack, even though not that big of a rock band, quite frankly. But I think they're still going to this day, which is amazing. Hmm. But yeah. So what were your impressions, I guess, having? You know, this kind of music is just not something that I listen to on a regular basis. The the, the green jello stuff in general. Mm-hmm. But as far as the song matching the theme, I would expect, absolutely works. Yeah, and the reading the comments on YouTube related to the actual song here, a lot of people talked about how it was in the game, and uh, it seems to be, you know, a unanimous opinion that it was just really great to. I mean, this was like what a platform beat 'em up kind of thing. It was basically like Final Fight, yeah. Okay, which yeah. that's the whole other ball of wax that I'll maybe get to after you. Finish um, it. But, but yeah, I mean, if if the main game is to just kick ass, I mean, yeah. doing it to like this kind of grungy rock music is is yeah. an appropriate way to do that, you know, as opposed to like taking Magical Quest's Dark Forest theme or something, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I liked it for what it was. Again, it's not my my favorite music uh, genre, but um, but I appreciated it, and I think it's really cool what you were saying about. A, an actual band having composed and uh, produced it. Uh, you were, you know, you were telling me before, before the show about these bands that do uh, live like, oh, yeah. playthroughs of games, and then they do the scores at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was at what Magfest you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be kind of cool to see, um, you know, Green Jello do uh, <laughs> do one of these. You know, I mean, since they literally <laughs> did the music, that'd be oh yeah, like, oh, like, that full circle so cool. meta kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, but it, it seems pretty cool. So yeah, I, I liked it for what it was. Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, I was just gonna say the game itself. Uh, it was, you know, I enjoyed the game. It's 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 a solid beat 'em up. 
it's fine as a beat em up. The only problem is when you then think about like, well, but is this a good Spider-Man game? Because it actually doesn't really make any sense at all as a Spider-Man, as a way to pull off a Spider-Man game. Because, you know, if you know the character in the comics, Spider-Man is kind of, you know, he kind of fights almost like a ninja would or something. You know, he's kind of more about being agile and jumping all around and swinging from webs and then getting in that, you know, that strong, swift attack as opposed to this is literally him walking through the streets, uh, just beating on people, you know? Um, and they did they, you know, they tried their best. You can, you can use your webbing and I think you can swing it. Yeah. You can swing on webs, uh, at various parts in the game, but it's just, and maybe it was just a limitation of the technology back then, but you really, you know, it's a game with Spider-Man in it that covers the story arc from the comics. So they're really two thirds of the way there. But as far as, you know, giving you that feeling of playing like Spider-Man or playing like Venom, eh, it's just, they couldn't really pull it off. Yeah. So you think it was, it was a fine attempt though? Yes. Would you like to see games do that more for certain comic book arcs? Dedicating themselves to that? uh, That might be pretty darn cool, actually. Yeah. Because a lot of times these days, I think, uh, you know, when they make a game based on superheroes, they kind of feel like, well, we can't do, you know, comic books just kind of go on forever, right? So it's really difficult to have a, you know, beginning, middle, end story. So actually, yeah, what they really should do is just pick a story arc and then just do that as the game. Instead, what they usually end up doing is inventing their own story arc, which is fine. It's really no different than them writing a fictional story or the comic writers having a fictional story but uh, you know i guess i think if they did just do more borrowing from existing arcs as you say that would that would lend some more uh i don't know what the word is uh, i don't know just uh sticking you know feel like they're sticking more closely to the s- source material i guess it it would feel more like playing the comic because that's more closely what you would actually be doing mm-hmm. so yeah that would be pretty neat uh, yeah, and again, I did enjoy the game back in the day, and it is largely well made. Uh, they have like a lot of animations for the bad guys, a lot of different bad guys, a lot of different good guys that you can use as sort of like assist. Um, you know, like you like you summon them in, and they do a move or something. Uh, really, really cool. They you know, they have the cutscenes are like stills from the comic that they put the little word bubbles up to and stuff. Um, all that was really good. It gets really difficult towards the end. I don't think I ever beat it without cheat codes, you know, long after the fact. Um, and oh, the other thing that's a little weird is, and I don't, e- I don't even remember specifically, but I'm quite sure in the comic book, one of the bad guys does something that makes all the New Yorkers like freak out and attack Spider-Man. I'm pretty sure there's something like that, or at least attack each other. I think they just go crazy and they just start attacking anyone, right? Well, I'm I'm just looking at some footage right now, and Spider-Man's beating the crap out of like an old lady and <laughs> exactly. a guy in shorts. Exactly, exactly. So I'm not sure how good a job the game does of communicating that part, and yet the first level or two, actually probably throughout the game, yeah, you're just like beating on random New Yorkers, and it's kind of like, wait a minute, Spider-Man, what is? What are you doing? 
Like, I know you want to get to the villain, but you could just go around the New Yorkers. You don't have to beat them up on your way. So. Yeah, poor, um, unfortunate souls. Yep, yep, yep. That's funny. But, uh, but you did enjoy the gameplay, though? Because, I mean, I'm not big on these kind of games. I, yeah. I, I do like some of them. I do like the Turtles arcade game for the NES, for instance, and, uh, the Scott Pilgrim game actually was pretty good. That came out some years ago. Oh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just not been my thing, so. Uh, yeah. Well, and certainly for, for in that day, I thought it was the best Spider-Man game. Well, you can do some cool stuff, like he just, I had played. He, he crawled up the building just to jump back right. down. Like he's, right. It's not right. as static. Right. As I think these games can often be. Right. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. So, Yeah. All right, shall we move on to our final game? To our final game. Final thought. Uh, yeah, let's do this. This is um, my this pick. This is your pick. This is my pick, and it's, uh, it is from another Disney franchise. <laughs> well, technically Disney. Yep. Uh, but we'll talk about that afterwards. Enjoy. All right. Okay, so that was our final song of the uh, the episode, and that was Toy Story's That Old Army Game, which was the first mission in the Toy Story game for the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. And did you ever play this game? I did not. Did you ever see the movie? Uh, I did eventually. I actually was pretty late to the Toy Story party. Um, you know, I'm a little bit older than you. I think I, you know, just missed that window where, you know, to see Toy Story, you were a little too old or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I didn't see them until actually just a few years ago, really. I saw one of them when I was in college. I think I saw Toy Story 2 in college because it was playing for free at the K 
campus theaters. But um, yeah, I don't think I saw one and three until three came out. Basically, mm-hmm. well, uh, this game is pretty much telling the story of the first movie, mm-hmm. and it does so well. Okay, it does so faithfully, but in terms of story beats, I guess it does. But none of the actual events are things that took place. Okay, you know? like in this in this first uh, mission here, and the game is divided by missions. Uh, you have to get you have to help the army men get the walkie-talkie across the room, and I think in the in the movie that was when they were trying to find out what Andy was saying or what was going on at the party and what toys okay. they were getting. This is before Buzz Lightyear shows up. And, right, uh, right, right. And so what you have to do is you're going from left to right. Uh, you can go backwards too, but you're moving from left to right, and the army men are just automatically moving, and you have to find. Uh, at least one. I don't know if you have to find multiple, but you have to find at least the walkie-talkie, knock it down, but then also do a series of puzzles to open up the pathway so the essentially lemmings can walk their way to to the end. Okay. And uh, this is the song that plays during all that, which kind of has a westerny theme, I guess, playing as Woody. But it's it's the backdrop is Andy's room and it's pixel art. But the game is also done in a weirdly rendered way. Graphically. Oh yeah, it's like the Donkey Kong Country. Thing. Right. Yeah. So it's really flat, but then you also have some really randomly, I guess, detailed, but we're still weird-looking characters. And then uh, the hit detection or detection detection <laughs> um, is also kind of iffy. And Donkey Kong is exactly what I thought of when I was re mm-hmm. re-experiencing this just now. Um, it's just not. It's not precise. You don't know if you're actually going to make it to that ledge or not. And I remember that being one of the frustrating parts of the game. It was a fun game, but it just wasn't precise platforming. And the game is all about platforming in, in most cases. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it was still fun, though. Uh, I, I never got too far because there's not that many hits you can take before you lose a life. And you don't get that many lives. And it, it was a tough game for that fact. And then occasionally there'd be levels where you, for instance, were racing the RC car. Or controlling okay. them anyway, and you had to collect batteries. And if you went too long without a battery, then you would essentially lose your juice and you'd you'd die or whatever. Had to start over. But those things were so precise too; you couldn't really miss a battery at all, or you would you wouldn't make it to the next one. And uh, I don't know. It was again. It's just it's a prime example of licensed games from back in the day where they're fun, but they're just more difficult than they really need to be. Okay, and yeah. it, I don't know why that was such a big, you know. I don't either. Thing. But um, could just be that games were diff- more difficult back then. Yeah, I don't know. That's, I guess that's true. Um, I don't know. I maybe that's a whole other. Uh, that's yes. a regular episode of the Negative World podcast yeah. right there for discussion. Sure. But, um, but I did appreciate the variety that this uh that the game had it had um like i said it had the racing levels it had uh the side scrolling levels like i just you know submitted a song for and i think there was even um when you got into the uh what is it the um pizza uh shoot oh the delivery truck yeah. or car or something yeah yeah there's um there's when you well no no not the, not the car itself but the actual pizza palace or whatever the the restaurants oh right right. and when you go into there and you finally uh 
get to the alien squeak toys. Yep. There, that game actually, or the game itself, turns into a a first person, not a first person shooter, but a first person find the alien thing, and you actually have to go through a maze, Doom style, and you have to uh, find the aliens and then bring them to the the hole so that way they can fall into the actual like glass case to mm-hmm. be displayed. Um, it's so weird. So they, they do mix a lot of styles of gameplay, which was something I always did like. You got one game, but you got different um, like different styles of game all yeah. at once. And then it, you know it would jump back into uh, into a platforming situation when you get to Sid's house and. Um, in fact, the level after that, I believe, is where uh, Sid uses like a magnifying glass on you. Okay. Um, and uh, <laughs> that's right. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, he uses a magnifying glass on you, and that lights you on fire. So then, when he walks away, you freak out. And the animation's pretty good, actually. But you freak out, and you just start running bitchup runner style, and you can't stop yourself uh-huh. from running. Okay. You can move backwards to dodge things, but you can't. I'm not even sure if you can jump. Maybe you can, but you just have to keep running back and forth while like spiky yo-yos are in your way, and uh, and you have to get to a bowl of milk, you know, like cereal that you left out, so you can cool yourself off, and then you keep going through the level. So, uh, so I mean, I just named a bunch of different styles. You got the first person <laughs> find the alien. You got the bit trip runner, like my God, my head's on fire. Uh, you've got your standard Mario Brothers type platforming, and then you've got. Uh, like the micro machines racing um, thing, so that's that's mainly the reason why it was nostalgic for me and why I wanted to uh, submit the song. And the music was uh, not from the movie, but I still thought it was a really good representation of the movie spirit. Yeah, and yeah, it's playful. And you mentioned the uh, the western thing. I think that like kind of like ragtimey old time yep. piano thing really does that. Um, but then, you know, it's got the, like, uh, blues bass progression, jazz bass progression, which is really, uh, you know. And, and then there's those, really good. the whistling in that song, um, <laughs> yeah. which kind of relates to, I would think, like, army whistling. Um, okay. Kind of reminds me of Donkey Kong 64, where, uh, when you go into that one guy's shop, I forget what character that is, um, the guy who, who you would get your weapons upgraded from. Do you know who I'm talking about? I am not a DKC expert, no. Um, well, whenever uh, you'd go into him, you know, you'd hear like that whistling kind of army, like, ten hut kind of, Okay. you know. That was not even a sentence, frankly, but uh, that's what you get with this show. Uh, so <laughs> that kind of feel was there with the whistling. So it was like a mix of ragtime western with, like, army whistling. So I thought it was a good a good pick, and it's... For anyone who's played it, it's probably one of the more nostalgic songs because the game was pretty challenging, and uh, most people played at least this level, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, game looks pretty well made. It's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, I played it on the uh, the good old Genesis, but uh, it's pretty much equal on the Super Nintendo. So, mm. um, if you if you did have a chance to play it or anyone out there, I would actually recommend it. Even though, again, I'm not too big on the hit detection, but I think it's varied enough and unique enough to uh, to warrant some playtime. But cool. So uh, I guess that wraps it up for this episode. It's our fifth this year, plus we had one, um, you know, Animal Crossing special. And there's I have a few specials in mind that I'd like to do. Uh, so I'm sure we'll get those in 
2014, but uh, I do want to put a thank you out to everyone who does submit songs and everyone who listens and frankly gives a damn. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, we do this not for our own health, but because we, uh, we like talking about games and we hope people like talking about them too. Yeah. Yeah. So we try to give a little bit of a different spice of life to uh, to this compared to, you know, our standard podcast, the uh, Negative World podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time you listen to this, both this and the uh, the last episode for this year of the Negative World podcast should be out. I'm trying to get those out before the, the new year. So uh, things are just busy, so I appreciate everyone's patience um, with both ga- uh, podcast schedules because, uh, you know, we're not exactly on a set schedule, but but we do what we can, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, any any last thoughts, Joe? Last comments? No. Merry Christmas Eve to you and the people who will be listening to this long after Christmas Eve. That's true. Yeah, we are recording this <laughs> on Christmas Eve, and uh, hope that you retroactively had a nice Christmas. So I guess, although I guess, if we're doing it retroactively, <clears throat> I hope you had an excellent holiday, no matter what it is. So this holiday, I hope everyone's playing a lot of video games, and oh, yeah. I hope we've given you. Uh, some ideas of games you could be playing in the future. Some old games to tap into, because there was a lot of good stuff, a lot of good music. Go check out the thread, too, if you haven't. And uh, check out all the other songs. I mean, there's a bunch of them from Tiny Toons that were submitted. Tur- Ninja Turtles were submitted like crazy. Uh, there's just not enough time in the day to fit in all the good songs. So. Mm-hmm. Totally. All right, well then, uh, Joe, you have a good holiday. And everyone out there, thanks for listening again. And, uh, we'll see you in 2014. Later.